What's Swingin' Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Mason Nation podcast. I'm your host, Fred Moore. And today my guest is from Red Bank, New Jersey. His name is David Stratansky. He is an alternative and holistic health coach. He offers a, offers a service. Um, his business and his website is Ichi Fitness, ichifitness.com. That's the letter E C H I fitness. Uh, David offers natural approaches to lifelong mobility and natural health. Uh, we hooked up on Alignable, mm -hmm. this new thing that popped mm -hmm. up. Everybody's just jumping on it. Sure. I have no idea if it's good or bad. I mm -hmm. haven't made a decision yet, but I got to meet a guy who's local who um, offers mobility coaching. And um, we talked about what you do and what uh, what we do at Steel Mace Nation mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what Steel Mace coaches do. And there was a lot of like interesting uh, crossovers and similarities. So David, thank you for- Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure, I appreciate you coming here and uh, sitting down. So let's uh, let's get right into what you do. Let's, mm -hmm. let's share with everybody, um, you know, why, you know, Steel Mace people love movement. They love mobility, mm -hmm. uh, so you're, Perfect. Mm -hmm. They want to hear what you got to say. So sure. let, let's let's hear about what you do. Sure. So uh, just a little bit of background. I, I worked in uh, technology for 18 years, but had a lot of health challenges and a lot of mobility challenges over that time frame. And so when I was uh, 30, I got introduced to some ideas about natural health and also some concepts of physical therapy that helped me realign my posture so I could get moving again. And it's always been a passion of mine. And then about 10 years later at age 40, I decided to leave all that work and go full time into teaching some of the things that I learned. And one of the things I learned was this concept of a lifelong mobility through some very simple principles that are based on Tai Chi. So Tai Chi is their original martial art, and some very simple concepts of nature are applied to that. It's also very complementary to what you do, if I, if I remember right from seeing some of your videos, is that the movements that you do in, in Steel Maze Nation is very directed, right? It's very focused, and it's very functional. So you're not just going in the gym just to try to add strength. You're actually trying to be functional, and it's also very mindful. So the same thing can be applied. And so when I got moving again, I was getting injured a lot running. And the reason why I think is because I just took 10, 15 years off of running and I forgot how to run like a kid. If you watch a little kid run, they run very fluidly. They run um, from a position of their body. They don't run very much with their extremities. And so, but I forgot all that. And so when I started running again and really got engaged in running because I could actually move, I was getting injured mostly in my lower legs uh, and my feet. And I got introduced to this concept of chi running, which is the concept of uh, Tai Chi applied to running. And uh, I picked up the book and I started to read it. And as you can see, I'm a little bit of a student here where yeah. I was looking through this. This is my original copy. There's since been a subsequent version of this that came out later, an update to this. By the same author. By the same author. Who is uh, Danny? Danny, Danny Dreyer. And you can uh, get more information on this at chirunning.com. There's also a complimentary chiwalking.com that came out afterwards because he realized that not only were the people who didn't want to run that needed the same concepts applied to walking for their lifelong mobility, but also he realized that if you're a runner, you can practice these same concepts all day long walking around, and then your body is much more likely to be ready when it hits the trailhead or the course because you're practicing these same concepts. And so 
I picked up this book and I couldn't put it down because it was like, you know, it's just a page turner. Like, that's it. This is the reason why I'm getting injured because I was just so frustrated from that. And put all the, all the concepts into practice. And within, let's see, this was 2005. I would say within a few weeks, a lot of the injuries that were in my lower legs and my feet were melting away and I was starting to feel much more efficient. And one of the reasons why is that I started to run more from my center being active right. and less from my extremities which is a key concept of Tai Chi. Tai Chi says when you move, the movement should come from your center and the farther the way you get away from your center, the less effort there should be. So think of a golfer, a golfer swings a golf club from its center. Yeah. If I were to throw a punch at you, not that I would want to, but if I would, I would throw it from my center. Right. I wouldn't throw it with my pinky. So why did I decide to run with my big toe? I forgot how to run from my center. And so the concepts in here allowed me to realize that, put those into practice, and I started to get very efficient in my running. And, and then I decided, okay, I need to find a way to, to share this. And at the time, the author, and still does, has a training program where you can go and be instructed on how to instruct others to learn these concepts. And uh, so that became a, a focus of mine, a purpose, to learn these and then pass them on. So that was my first entrance into holistic, alternative health, mobility practices, leaving my technology job. Mm. And over that same time frame, I started to run longer and longer distances without feeling like there was any limit to that. Uh, first, it started to be a 10 mile run, then a 15 mile run. And then I remember very specifically in the summer of 2007, I was out running with some friends, they were training for a marathon and they were doing 25 miles. And somehow I ended up running this 25 miles with them and I recovered very well. Didn't have any lingering effects of that. And I thought to start to think, well, how far could I go? And so a few weeks later on a whim, I signed up for a 50K, which is a 31 mile trail race over in Freehold, New Jersey. And did really well in the event and recovered quite well. This was three weeks after the, the marathon run? This was, uh, yeah, it was a few weeks. I would say it was probably about five, five weeks or so after okay. that. But it was that training run with my friends that made me realize, hmm, how, wh where is the limit? And then yeah. I started to think, well, this is really an opportunity for me to test how efficient I could be in my running. And it also allowed me to test how efficient I could be in my fueling too, because when you run those kind of distances, hey, you gotta be efficient on the fueling side, but then also you gotta right, eat the right fuel for you. And yeah. everybody's a little different than that. And so that got me starting with the long distance running. And uh, after that, I ran, uh, well, I ran four road marathons and another 20 ultra marathons, most of them 50 mile ultra marathons, all using these same concepts and practicing this concept and uh, learn so much about movement principles through all of that, but also learn these same concepts also apply to life. So for example, now I, I move more from my center as I move through life, not just as I run down the road. Is this both physically and mentally? Well, it, it, it's a physical concept, but the same principles I found apply to life. Okay. I learned more yeah. about life through this than I ever thought I would. This is interesting because I had a uh, martial arts practitioner on uh, uh, Chris Malarkey um, uh, just last week, and uh, he's a fifth degree black belt, and he discussed about the same thing, how he learned about life mm -hmm. 
through mm -hmm. martial arts. Very, I mean, it's very simple concepts. You know, move from your center, keep your extremities where your strength is not, right? Your strength is in your center. Move from that place, which is really your purpose or your why. So now a lot of things that used to be noise in my life that used to distract me, they don't distract me as much because I'm so focused on my center. Another key concept of this is to cooperate with the forces that are around you. So when you're moving across the ground, there are some forces that can help you and there are some forces that can hinder you. Yeah. So now when I move through life, there are certain things that I recognize are there to help me and there are certain things that I just let go by. Yeah. I don't let them affect me. For example, an abrasive personality, right? We've all had them in our lives, a coworker, uh, someone in our life that just is just not someone that we want to, to be around for whatever reason. In the past, that would rub me and it would affect me. Now, I just let it go because it's outside of my center and I don't need to have that affect me. Uh, so the concepts are, are universal really to really all concepts of life. Mobility just happens to be one of them and it doesn't matter whether you're a runner or you're a walker or you wanna improve your posture where you're standing or you wanna improve your posture where you're sitting. And what I find is that the way people sit is typically the way they stand which is the way they walk, which is the way they will probably run mm. in terms of posture, whether they're active in their posture or they're not. So I could sit here like this right. with a collapsed posture and an unengaged core, or I could sit actively and lengthen through the background of my head. Yes. There's also an energetic component to this too, because if you ever, if you ever see someone in a room where their energy is good, their posture is almost always good, mm. right? They walk and with, with an active posture, not in a condescending way, like they own the room, but right. they are they are actively moving through life from their center. Yeah, yeah. You when somebody comes in the room and they're like um, uh, exhausted and mentally drained, their posture is is you could see it. They're slouched forward, mm -hmm. and 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 then you sense that you sense that yeah. energy. You almost get like an you energy feel. suck. Yeah, going you feel on. that. Yeah, exactly. right. absolutely true. Yeah. So so the key concepts of chi running is in in a nutshell is. The concept of alignment. So we want to make sure we're aligned in a couple different ways. One is in our posture here. We also want to have our effort and our energy going in the direction we're going. So if you were to walk or run and swing your arms to the side, there's energy going to the side, which is essentially an energy waste. Right. When you could be contributing to balance and momentum in the direction you're going. Uh, and then, of course, there's also this energetic type of uh, alignment as well. Uh, the name of my, my, my website is called I Chi. Mm -hmm. And in Chinese philosophy, there's this concept of I Chi. It's spelled a little bit different. It's called Y apostrophe C-H-I, but I Chi is another way of saying it. It's the idea of uh, focusing your energy through your eyes to a point. So when I'm walking or running down the path, uh, road, trail, I'm a trail guy, but road, whatever it is, I'm looking to where I'm going and my energy is there. If I look down at the ground in front of me, now my energy is going back to the ground. So I'm being heavy where I could be skimming across the ground and floating more. Yeah. So there's an energetic component to this, depending upon how far you want to take that. But that, you know, uh, Tai Chi is, is a mindful practice, but there are Tai Chi masters that are martial artists right. who will not only um, you know, do something physically, but also something very mentally energetically to get what they want done. Right. That's interesting. The, um, the, the trail running, looking down the trail, I'm a mountain biker. Mm -hmm. And, uh, whenever you're teaching somebody how to mountain bike, 
they always focus on those little obstacles right in front of them, the root, the rock, the tree, mm -hmm. and they always hit them like, because they're, they're focused right. on them. Right. They're trying not to, but exactly. so I always tell people, no, you want to look down the trail. You're, you know your peripheral will tell you what's there, exactly. and you will steer right around that. But the minute you focus on it, you're you're going in for a bumpy ride. Right, sure. And the more you look down the trail, the more you glide down the trail. Exactly, exactly like what you just said. Plus, when you're looking down, you most likely bring your head forward. Yeah. You bring your head forward, that breaks your posture, yeah. which not only does it put stress here, but it also breaks your energy lines, which is a whole other subject of traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, those types of things. So... Uh, that idea of just having your alignment forward. I mean, all my effort and all my energy and all my momentum is going to that blade of grass over there. It's not just kind of going over there. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's very focused. A pinpoint exactly. location. Exactly. So it's all about alignment, but at the same time, it's also about relaxation outside of that alignment. So it's strong through your center, but it's relaxed in your extremities. That's the my, ultimate form of my, strength right my there. My feet is, you know, my feet are very relaxed. I use the full foot to run on. And um, there's virtually no tension in my feet, which of course reduces the resistance to my next step. Yeah. Because if there's any tension in your ankle, you're actually stepping on the brake subtly with every step. Yeah. So the idea is to be subtly on the gas, but not on the brake. And that's where the momentum comes from. Now, the way that we uh, be subtly on the gas is that we do what a kid does. What a kid will do, and any toddler does this when they first take their first steps, is they won't try to take a step to come to dad or uncle Dave they will lead into their body position with their heart, really. They're leading with their heart to come mm. to whoever they want to. And then they pick up their feet to keep up with that. Now, at first they take a step and then they fall. And then they take two steps and then they fall. And they learn how to find their balance point within gravity to let gravity pull them forward. And they will continue to do that. If I go to the local uh, county park and I watch the kids run, let's say the cross country team run, I can see which kids have been running all their lives and the ones that took grade school off. Just like I did, I took my 20s off because I had a bad back from a wrestling injury, but I learned how to relearn all of that. Yeah. But kids do that, so they'll cooperate with gravity and they just pick up their feet to keep up with themselves. So that's the other idea is that the momentum comes from your body position, not so much from trying hard. Your body position comes from a strong posture, and then you you lean that posture into gravity, just like a child would. That makes such sense the way you explain it now, like how how you can efficiently move. You're when you're trying to fight against gravity, and you're muscling everything. It's right. just so much of an energy leak. But yeah, you're leaning into it. You're almost falling over, but you just catch it. It's very subtle. Most yeah. people read the book and they oh, I'm going to lean, and they lean too much, and yeah. then they tense. Right. Or they lean at the waist and they break their posture line, which again is a problem. The way to not lean at the waist is to have this active center yeah. and to keep that in line. And then um, you're simply picking up your feet to keep up with your, your forward position. And you're not reaching in front with your feet. You're not trying to propel yourself with your feet. You're creating momentum. Now yeah. I'm an engineer at heart. So if you look at the physics of running, physic, uh, running is really a, a momentum game. Physics says that once you get moving, you'll stay moving unless you slow yourself down. So would it make sense to focus on maintaining your momentum or would it make, fo would it make sense to focus on reducing the resistance? Like you're driving down the street, you got your foot on the gas. Yeah. Do you touch the brake okay. if you want to keep going? 
So let's work on these concepts to take your foot off that brake and just be subtly on the gas to keep up with that momentum. And that's how I got running longer and longer distances and recognizing that I could do that. And yes, there was fatigue, but I never, I never really, along all those events, I never really felt like I was, I was gonna get injured. And one of the main reasons why was because even though you have to have a strong center, you also have, a, have to have a very strong and stable running stance. Running is really a right leg, left leg, right leg, left leg, right? You're on that stance. And that's the most stressful part of the running uh, turnover or stride. When your foot is on the ground, you're under gravity, which is where stress comes from. Lots of injury potential there. And then when your foot's on the ground, you might also have the tendency to try to push, which is a lot of effort. So the stability of that stance is very critical to how efficient each step is. And of course, that's either compounded interest in your favor or it's compounded interest in the opposite direction because you either get uh, you know, 100% of your momentum or you get 98 or 97% of your momentum and now you started getting a negative effect. And you either get tired, you get injured, and it may not be injured today, it might be injured tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, or it might be um, a knee replacement 10 years from now. Yeah. Right. So the idea here is, is that if you can affect some principles that affect your mobility, which is functional, which is kind of where we melded a little bit on this idea of you know fitness and making sure you're doing things functionally and mindfully, uh, you can then use those principles for a lifelong mobility practice. I coached a lot of people, but I never really ever coached them primarily on a performance. I coached them because I wanted to know they still had these principles five, 10 years from now, because I knew that was gonna get them longevity longer in their life and mobility within lot longevity, which is a lot of times where people start to falter as they lose their mobility and now they need special care or their health declines pretty quickly. If you've ever seen somebody who's been bedridden, you know what that looks like and you know how quickly they decline. So my goal was always to help people be functional and be mobile according to some simple principles. And miraculously, oftentimes their performance goals happened because they focused on the simple concepts. So uh, it's been a wonderful, this was, let's see, I became certified to teach this in 2007. Uh, I've been teaching it ever since. And uh, it's just been a wonderful uh, practice in um, not only helping others, but also when I help others, I also am reminded of the principles and then my next run improves. Yes, yeah. Because, you know. Great thing sure about what, teaching. I'm sure when you work with people in the gym, you like, you realize, oh, you know, am I, am I doing that? Yeah. Because you see oh, yeah. them or you in the mirror or something and you're like, because we do a lot of video analysis on this too and I also video analysis myself. So all these concepts are constant. And of course, as we know, our world, particularly this thing I'm sitting in, is doing the opposite. Yeah to these concepts because we sit too much. When we move, we move unconsciously. We don't really think about how we move. We wanna to go to the refrigerator, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But we don't think about how that might affect us in five or 10 years. Uh, or we start to have uh, challenges on stairs. So we start to use help or we use other things to help us, uh, which are meant to be temporary, but then they become permanent and then we lose some mobility and then we lose some longevity along the way. Um, the other thing I love about um, the Mace Nation is that um, it's very mindful. You know, I saw some of your videos and you're very focused on a very specific movement, which is functional, which gives you the right amount of stress, which builds obvious strength, but it's also 
a, a mindful practice and doing it very specifically, yeah. which is what this became. Yeah. And so my runs turn into a moving meditation. Some people don't like that word meditation. Yes. If you sit me in the middle of this room and you say, can you just focus on your breath for half an hour? That's very hard for me. Yeah, me too. But I can go on a run and I can just focus on how my feet are touching the ground and how relaxed they are. And I get the same mental clearing benefit because I'm not thinking about a text or an email or what's going on with family or whatever. I'm on the trail and I'm being present. And so there's all those benefits as well to whatever it is. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things I saw in your videos was that it's very, very mindful, very specific, and you're really trying to uh, help people with principles, Yes, you know, to get right. things in the right position and, and the way they're supposed to be. So, um, so I like to refer this as the, uh, as a practice in what we might call prehab, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of rehab out there, Yeah, but these are, proactive principles in rehab that says, okay, I'm either inefficient or I'm getting injured all the time, or I'm just not enjoying my running. It doesn't feel like I did when I kid was a kid. Here are some principles that I can proactively apply and I can learn. The challenge is, is that it's a practice and that it's not like sometimes people will come and they want to be coached and they, they just think I'm going to do this and it's just going to happen. Yeah. And it takes practice. I can, you know, I can, I can show the principles and I can help them feel what it feels like, but if they're not committed to, to practicing them, then they're not probably going to become habit. And if they don't become habit, then a month or two or three down the road, they're probably going to slip back because they're seated in the chair and they're not seating actively or, or whatever other it is that, you know, throws us off balance in life. It could be a, a you know, a computer bag. It could be a pocketbook. It could be a child. Uh, a lot of ladies have challenges on their um on their left hip because they tend to be here with the child because they're right-handed yeah right and so we are functional beings but we're also meant to be linear yeah we have a dominant side but if you're going to go down the road of the trail in a linear fashion then you better make sure that the right side and the left side are very similar because if you don't one side's taken more of the weight or the effort or the stress and then there's an injury a good example of that is you're on the road and uh, some people don't realize, but when you run on the road facing traffic, and I hope everyone does face traffic when they do tra travel on the road, is that there's a cant in the road. Mm -hmm. And that may be a very small, uh, could be a couple millimeters, could be a half an inch, whatever it is, but that's a difference. And so most people who have left uh, hip issues and running are on the left side because they're compensating for that lack of height in the road and then their body does all kinds of crazy things with their stance and their hips out of position. So it's, it's little things like that, even little things like, you know, how do you drive around in your car? Do you drive around in your car here or here? And the easiest thing you can do is adjust your rear view mirror. Yeah. So you can only see out the back of the car. If you're sitting, if you're up. sitting actively. Yeah, I do that. As soon as you slump, you can't see, yeah. and you're subconsciously looking in that mirror, what, every 15, 30 seconds. Right. And so it's a good, there I am again, I'm down again. And it, it will take practice, but after a while you realize that you'll be sitting in your office and you're like, oh, I'm sitting on the chair and I'm not sitting in it. Yeah. And that's one of the key distinctions I help people think about all the time is, you know, are you sitting actively on the chair or are you sitting in it passively? Uh, a couch is of, of course very difficult because it's very hard to sit on a couch. You almost always sit in a couch. Sure, yeah, it sucks you up. It sucks you up and then you're not active. And then uh, whether it be tightness in the back or maybe uh, a muscle in the butt called the piriformis tightens, or you might get some sh short hip flexors, you know, all kinds of things can happen as we start to get out of our mode. You know, in nature, there's, there's really no chairs. Right. <laughs> you know, we squat a lot in nature, but we don't really sit in nature. Uh, and of course, 
typically most of us go from couch or chair to walking to a stair but that's about as much range of motion as we have we might reach in the kitchen every once in a while but we really don't have a lot of you know range of motion which of course affects our mobility as well a lot of things you're doing in your fitness programs is giving people that that you know that range of motion in running and walking you're you know you want your arm swing to be very compact so it's very balanced and simple uh, so we don't get you know we don't get a lot of this in running but running is a component which could be for it could be for uh, you know your cardio um, it could also be for the mindful aspects um, even though I was able to run you know long distances uh, I've since backed off on that quite a bit because I realized that uh, I learned a lot from that. You know, I ran, uh, I ran long distances for a number of years, but at some point I realized that I've learned what I needed to, to learn from that and I wanted to, to move on to some other things. Particularly, I wanted to learn how to tighten up the rest of my health. Uh, I had some digestive issues as well previously uh, that, that were part of this whole back issue I had. And I wanted to uh, firm that up a little bit. And I realized that if you're going to run a lot, you have to eat a lot. Yeah. Which means you have to be able to digest really well. Yeah. So there was a piece of me there that says, yeah, I want to fix this other piece of me, uh, even though I was able to accomplish a lot uh, with, you know, the principles that I already put in place. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you about, like, when you bring in a new client and you're you're checking for imbalances and things like that. Typical imbalances that I always see, and if you go to – a lot of gyms, uh, people always turn out their feet mm -hmm. when they go squat, mm -hmm. um, and and um, you know their their knees will cave in, that kind of thing, so that they can overcompensate. Do you see that same sure situation? Sure. And, I, I, and, ha and from your field, how do you correct it? Well, the the feet turning out issue is could be a, a condition of tightness, or it could be a condition of weakness. Tightness in the hips, particularly that piriformis muscle or uh, a very strong hip flexor uh, in, your, in your hip called a psoas. If those are tight, that'll tend to turn your feet out. People can also move their feet out because um, they feel unstable on their feet. So think of a tightropist. The tightropist walks on the tightrope, but they turn their feet sideways yeah. because they're trying to create width in their feet, probably mentally, in order to feel comfortable there. So some people will just naturally be turned out because they're just unstable in in their leg and their hip. Mm -hmm. So there's some stability work we can do with a few exercises there. If it's in the hips because of, 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 um, of tightness, there's some stretches to do to try to release that. There's also just the active idea of just if you sit actively, then you take the pressure off those muscles during the day so that when you get to the run, your feet are less likely to be out. If I sit like this, I'm tightening the muscles that I want to be loose in order to allow me to have that alignment in the direction I'm going. Interesting. Right? So the feet out is one thing. Uh, the other thing I see a lot is just simply slump posture because of the vices and uh, in sitting a lot. And then also there's a lot of instability in the hips because if we don't actively work on stability in the hips, uh, proper squats or exercises for a key muscle in your hip back here called the glute medius. Uh, if we don't actively work on those, those will tend to atrophy and they'll, they'll get weaker and weaker. And then as we go along this linear motion from step to step to step to step, each, uh, each step gets less efficient mm. because it gets less in the hip where there's strength, less in the center, and it gets more in the foot. Because if your brain doesn't feel like you can be stable over your center and your hip, it's gonna tense your foot. 
Yes. So I see a lot in runners that they tend to clench their feet. They're holding onto the ground in their shoe like a hawk because they haven't quite turned on their center. And as soon as I can go through a few drills with them to turn that on, now they can relax down onto that whole foot. And they go, wow, I've never felt like I could run this way before because my foot is so relaxed. And all I did was just help them engage their center a little. Typically, their core from a few simple exercises and then also turning on this hip muscle back here called the glute medius, which is a key muscle to keep your leg under you. Uh, A person who doesn't have a glute medius firing will tend to run on the line versus, say, next to it. And when, you, and, yes, and when you run on the line, then your legs are more at an angle to the center. Yes. Right. And a person will tend to wobble back and forth yeah. when they do that. So a few key things over time, you get the experience of noticing, you know, when someone's doing this or that, you, you get a sense for, okay, they, here's the adjustment now. Is this something they need to feel? Is this something they need to see? Like, do I need to take a video of them? Or is this something um, that... Um, uh, they need to hear, like I need to say it differently. Good example of that is, and I'm sure the, the guys here would enjoy this, is that I was working with a guy once, he was a videographer. And he ran with his right shoulder about an inch lower than his left. And of course he had hip issues. This hip was bothering him here. And of course this side was collapsed, so he wasn't really breathing well. And he didn't believe me. So I had to take a video of the videographer so he could visually see what he was doing. And as soon as he did that, then he came straight and he knew what he was doing. Oh, but really? he didn't believe me wow. until I videoed him. And I knew because of his background, his, you know, his profession was very visual, right. that if I showed it to him, he'd be like, oh, but he didn't believe me at first. Yeah. So as a coach, you know, you got to figure out, okay, do they need to hear it? Do they need to see it? Do they need to feel it? Right. Uh, a lot of it you have to feel in order to, to get this feeling. But oftentimes video review is very helpful or sometimes they'll take still pictures and show them. For example, a lot of people when they stand, they'll stand but their hips are forward. So their hips will be forward and their shoulders will be back, which of course puts a lot of pressure on the lower back and it's also a completely disengaged core. If I do this and I get straight, now this has to be active. So if you're tall and and just slightly forward as if a, a balloon is pulling up on you, then you almost have to engage your core. It's a very simple exercise, just sit nice and tall Okay, I feel that being active, and now just relax, and you feel it go away. Right. And as soon as you come back up, okay, now I'm more in my center. So then the practice becomes, can you maintain that active center while you move, which is a whole different ballgame. Because there's lots of people who do other practices. For example, yoga is great. It's a very practice in your center, but there's not a lot of movement associated with it. So once you get moving, can you maintain this? Right. And can you also separate what I would consider to be your lower core from your abdomen? Because if you tense your abdomen, you're not going to be able to breathe very well. Yeah. I was just going to ask you. So t- typically when we talk about tightening our core under, let's say we're weightlifting or whatever, we're going to kind of squeeze our glutes and that's going to turn our pelvis a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to collapse the front here. We're mm-hmm. going to make our rib cage get closer toward our hip bone. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of almost have like a, a hollow kind of front and all that's engaged. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to picture doing that and then running at the same time, yeah, like so that, squeezing your glutes yeah. while you're running. So that's a, that's a little bit different in that you're, you're, you're engaging your almost your whole center and your strength for stability to right. do what you're going to do. This is more very focused. It's almost like um, the, the phrase he uses in, in the book is called needle and cotton. The idea is through your center, there's this tempered steel needle, very strong and very dense. Outside of that is, is loose, is cotton, is that relaxation. It's the alignment and the relaxation. 
So you're not really, you know, you're not really running as if you're trying to do a full body crunch or a plank. Right. It's very directed and there's some exercises to help with that. Uh, if you do clench your glutes when you try to run, you'll also inherently tense your hamstring. Yeah. And if you tense your hamstring, then you won't be able to bend your knee. And if you can't bend your knee, then you can't pick up your feet to turn over to keep up with your momentum. So what I find is that if people have trouble uh, picking up their feet behind them to keep up with the momentum, they, they tend to be ten tensing okay. their glutes yeah. because their hamstrings don't want to fire or at least move their, move their knee, uh, excuse me, move their lower leg. So there's all those little cues as to figure out, you know, what are all the pieces that someone's doing and they might not be picking up their feet. They might be collapsed in their posture. Their head may be down. They may lead with their chin. They may swing their arms to the side. They may have some instability side to side. Um, typically, if someone has a hip, hip issue, you can normally see that when they run by looking at them from the front and back or a simple exercise will help them feel that. Right. Like when they land on one side in place, they'll feel instability versus the other, or they'll feel out of balance, or they won't be able to um, you know, stand and be balanced. They'll wobble uh, through a simple exercise. So there's all, these, there's all these combinations of things and you see enough people and you see the certain tendencies and, and then it becomes, okay, how does this person need to see it here or to feel it so they can make the change? And of course, the ultimate is, you know, how motivated are they to practice this? Yeah. And in the end, my job is to really identify one or two things that they can go practice. Yeah. And because if I say here, take this book and practice this, right. they'll be like, well, okay, that's nice. But uh, I was actually, I was looking for you to just snap your finger and fix this for me. But, yeah. Right. But can you give me one or two things? Yeah. I wanted to point that out to everybody listening that, you know, you took the time to, to devour this book <laughs> and these these tabs on here are beautiful um like you know you're very you can tell you're an organized guy um and then you went and you got a certification through the author you met the man right i, I was trained by him yeah and, so uh, this and is i work with him you know probably i don't know 100 maybe 100 days over the last uh 10 years more in the early years but uh you know work with him many 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 years yeah uh, that's too. that's that's a big deal here uh when you're when you're thinking about hiring somebody um how how deep did they go i mean you know anybody could read a book but to be able to actually take that information and apply it and everything mm -hmm. that's a whole other mm -hmm. thing and then you know you you pointed out something very important where you could identify after all this time now you can identify one or two things that you could fix that pretty much get people going but there might be 10 things, but you're identifying the things in that kinetic mm -hmm. chain mm -hmm. that will actually fix the other things. Yeah, the goal is to find one or two things that will actually address three, four, five, and six. Yeah, otherwise there, you might be nibbling around the edges to fix these problems exactly. when you could get right to the core. You get right to and the... This is why hiring a coach is so important because they will get you there faster. That's what you're paying for. Why do you want to wait four years when you could do something in like a year or whatever? It accelerates uh, your learning, whether it's in a business or in mobility or in uh, a fitness activity. You're you're, you're getting an outside view to yeah. know where, to know essentially to, to learn what you don't know you don't know. Right. Right, when I'm working with someone, they don't know that they're doing a certain thing and they, they want you know, to get someone to look at them who's looked at hundreds and hundreds of people to, uh, to identify that and then you know, use that experience to pick the one or two things. Oftentimes, it's just getting people to be more active. 
just be more active when you sit, when you stand, when you drive, when you're walking around the house, when you get to your run, just, just focus on that. And then from there, it's just a matter of being subtly forward and letting your body be pulled forward and picking up your feet to keep up with that while creating balance in a number of different aspects. So uh, very key, con simple concepts, alignment, relaxation, balance within that. I tend to add a fourth thing there, which is stability on that stance, which is very important for the efficiency of the stride. And then it's a matter of, um, you know, cooperating with those forces that are around you. One is cooperating with gravity. And then also when you're moving across the ground, the ground's coming at you. So you don't want to be sticking your foot out and punching that ground. You want to let that ground go under you, oh. which is the reason why your stride is quicker and it's more underneath you versus being in front. Yeah. And all those are just simple, simple, simple concepts of what I would like to call prehab, which is what can I proactively do to avoid the challenge that I'm having or the one that might be coming. And, um, and it's mobility for lifelong longevity. There's also the flip side of that, which is what is the rehab piece of your world? Because there's, there's positive stress from running, but you have to recover from that. You know, you, you improve your cardio or your strength and then a person recovers, right? You don't do, you don't do a certain workout three days in a row. Right. So what is, the, what is the rehab that you wanna do and what are the concepts or natural health resources that will allow you to do an effective rehab? It could be nutrition, it's obviously sleep and, and uh, hydration and all those different things. But what are the other things that you can do as well? There's lots of other resources out there that might be considered a, a natural biohack uh, that essentially helps your body you know, rehab itself um, to recover from whether it's negative or positive stress. It could be a physical discomfort, an injury. It could just be the fatigue that comes from running a distance that's a little farther than what you're accustomed to. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you train people in a studio space at all, or is it all outdoors? I or? have. In the past, I would do workshops for groups of people, um, 8 to 10 to 12 people at a time. What I've settled in on now is mainly working with people individually or in small groups. That's a better uh, value for them, and it's also a better value for my time because I'd rather uh, immerse someone or a few people two or three people in the concepts, which is much more directed at them than to use a larger group where not everyone gets the attention that they, they need. Yeah, plus everybody's at different levels too. It's everyone kind of hard at to, different level, right. to disseminate right. that information and be exactly. on top of everybody. Exactly. And you know, when you work with someone one-on-one, -on -one, you're really focusing on their specific concerns as yeah. well. So they come to and said, well, I've always had this hip issue. Okay, well, let's take a look at what you're doing and then we can apply these principles to that hip issue first and then fill in the rest of the principles you know, as you move forward. Whereas if I have, you know, 10, 12 people in a room for four hours on a weekend afternoon, uh, I'm going through a series of lessons which are very specific, but I may not catch all the pieces that every yeah. person needs to hear or see or feel because right. there's that whole element too, is that, okay, well, this person over here really needs to feel that, but we need to move on to the next lesson because the time is going and I need to get to a certain endpoint so yeah. that everybody gets all the pieces. So uh, initially I did a lot of the workshops, but now I've focused more on the one-on-one -on -one just because of the quality in, in both, for both people. Yeah, at workshops and large group um, activities, are they have their purpose, they're fun, they're good, but y you, know, you tend to have to uh, make them more simplistic and easier, which might be good for 80% of the group, mm -hmm. but then you got certain people that just need more and they're not really getting much from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the aspects. Sure. Um, how about, what's your feel on running on a treadmill? Well, a treadmill is very different from running on the ground. 
right? A treadmill is a movable object, which is essentially moving on its own. And so you're simply trying to stay balanced on this moving platform, which is very different than trying to propel yourself or allow yourself to go across the ground. So it's different in that regard. It's also what I find is for me, if I get on a treadmill, my feet uh, automatically tense. Hmm. Because I'm on this moving object, which is moving me, and if I don't move my feet fast enough, I'm going to get flung off into the wall. Yeah. So there's this, there's this, you know, instinct in my head that says, "Okay, tense a little. This is a little dangerous because if I, you know, lose my train of thought, I could be, you know, in the in the in the wall here." The other thing I notice that if I get on a treadmill and I try to run, is that uh, the room is stationary. And I'm a trail runner, so I'm used to having the trees and the, you know, the wildlife, you know going by me like it's you know it's like right here yeah so if i get in a room and i'm on a treadmill then the room's not moving and so if i try to run on it and even sometimes i've tried to do some walking uh focuses on a treadmill when i get off the treadmill uh my i get a little you know a little little wacky in my head like a little, a little vertigo or something yeah just yeah. a little because i'm so used to having the world move when i move <laughs> yeah and when I'm moving on the treadmill, the, the world's not moving. So yeah. again, I think there's another aspect of that, that there's something off there and then I tense up. So if you're gonna run on a treadmill, the keys would be to uh, focus on posture, number one, focus on trying to get your whole foot onto the treadmill. Try not to toe run, uh, because if you do, you're engaging your whole lower leg. That's an extremity activity, not a center activity. And then um, focus on your cadence or your turnover. Try to make sure that you have a light, quick turnover. And of course, you know, my suggestion is always turn the speed down a little bit. Yeah, so right? this that. is a maintenance activity because it's 10 degrees out. Yeah, this is not a training activity. I see people running a six minute mile on a treadmill in yeah. a gym. And I'm like, are you doing that for me? Or are you doing that for you? Because it looks like you're doing that for everybody else. I've seen people like it's you you're, you got headphones on. You hear boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And I take my earbuds out and I turn and look and there's somebody going so hard and right. fast that it looks like they're going to put their flag right. right through the floor yeah. of the treadmill. Exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, they're just yeah. charging like a bull it's, on me. It's, it's typically short term. Typically it's some kind of interval where they're doing some type of, um, you know, workout where they have a series of exercises. And one of those is to get on the treadmill and run at your outright pace for a minute. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. You know, you're only doing that for a minute. Right. This right. is more how to run long distance or for fitness, for efficiency and injury prevention. Right. Right. Um, you know, an animal in nature, uh, again, knows that any activity they do and any loss of mobility directly ties to the longevity. Right. So these are more principles for the longevity aspect of it. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to run um, a fast distance, that's fine. For example, if you're running a 5K, and you run um, with your center for the first three miles, and you got point one left, and you turn the corner, and you see the finish line, and the risk reward is appropriate for you to go for it, yeah. for whatever reason, then go for it. But you're going to go home from that activity in what about thirty seconds, maybe a minute. You're going to go home, right? So if a sprinter runs a hundred yard dash with every muscle in his body, that's fine. But he's going home, or she's going home after ten seconds. That's very different than thousands and thousands of steps, yeah. which are thousands and thousands of opportunities for stress that could lead to injury, which could lead to immobility, which could lead to problems with longevity. And so it's really a fitness or a, it's an efficiency practice 
And as we discussed, it's also a practice in other things too, because it becomes very mindful right. and you start to realize that there's some principles here that could affect the rest of your life. Uh, and you didn't even know that you were going to get, you know, get able to learn those kind of things. Is sprinting and long distance running pretty much the same thing? And have you coached sprinters? Uh, I have coached some people who run very fast or sprinters per se. Most of that is on posture and just on body awareness as to is my effort directed where I'm going. Okay. Because some sprinters may do something from side to side, whereas, you know, Michael Johnson is here, yeah. right? He's, you know, he's very directed in the direction he's going. Uh, sprinting is a little different because sprinting is every muscle in the body, outright pace. The saber-toothed tiger is chasing me and burn all the sugar out of my body and hope I survive, climb the tree, do whatever you're gonna do, and then and then go home. Right. This is more, how do I adjust my fuel burning to maybe uh, burn less sugar and burn more fat because uh -huh. I'm being more efficient. Yeah. Because I'm not out of breath, the saber-toothed tiger's not chasing me, and now my brain can settle in. And one of the things I noted noticed with running this way is that, um, Shortly after I started running this way, I noticed a surge of energy about 20 to 30 minutes into a run. And if Second you look, wind? Well, if you look at the physiology, the brain is still trying to figure out whether or not somebody's chasing you. Yeah. And at about 20 or 30 minutes, the brain says, oh, this is a longer activity. I better switch to fat yeah. because if I don't, I'm going to run out of fuel. And you get this surge of energy because the body switched to burning fat. And so... Um, this is more of a, you know, how can I run mindfully, efficiently with plenty of breath so that I could run with a more efficient fuel source. Of course, fat is much more efficient than sugar, uh, creates much less lactic acid, if any. And so lactic acid is a big component of recovery. Yeah. It's also a component perhaps of injury because, you know, if you've got a lot of lactic acid in your muscles and you take a few too many steps in that condition, you've got a chance for inflammation, friction, heat, all those things to come into play. And now you've got this situation of an injury uh, or even a joint issue, perhaps. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah, that's something to take into account uh, for almost any type of training that you do, if you're burning sugar or fat, right? Mm -hmm. you're, now, the way you eat, um, I, I, do you share the? Do you share how to eat with your clients? There are there are some cases in back when I was running a lot of big races, I would share what my my approach was, but that worked for me. Not everybody right. would would do the same thing. I think you know, nutrition. There's some there's some basic guidelines that uh, can help most people, but there's always you know those those adjustments. Uh, for example, my body doesn't necessarily burn, uh, or should I say, digest fat very well. So if I try to eat a high fat diet, my body gets overloaded. I just don't digest it well. Not to say I can't burn it well because of the way I'm running, but I don't digest it well. Okay, so what happens to you when you eat high fat diet? Uh, I just feel very inflamed. I just feel like my, my digestive system is, is uh, irritated. Do you notice bloating? Yeah, all, all kinds of those, yeah, yeah. You know, those types of issues where w whenever you can't digest any particular thing, yeah, you might eat right. something specific, a hot pepper or whatever, or whatever it is that affects you negatively. So for me, when I was running all my big races, uh, I had a pretty balanced approach. Uh, not a lot of protein, uh, but um, certainly clean carbohydrates, the natural vegetable type carbohydrates, uh, no sugar or anything like that. Oatmeal? Or uh, oatmeal, uh, some grains, quinoa, a little bit of rice. Uh, so those were some staples. And then 
Um, and then I did have some some fat in terms of nuts and seeds and those type of things, but all very clean and natural. Like right. I hardly eat anything out of a package. Right. Everything was, you know, fresh. Uh, I used to, you know, have to shop, you know, every day or so because I was constantly, yeah. I was constantly eating, but also I was constantly eating fresh food. Right. Uh, and organic too? Or? Uh, I, I eat mostly organic, yeah. Okay. There's, you know, there's lists of uh, vegetables that uh, the are dozen, clean yeah. and there's ones that aren't. So I follow that, you know, if I have a choice, but in general, I'll pick organic if I can. Yeah. Uh, just because, uh, you know, you never know where some of that stuff is going to lead in five or 10 years. Again, looking bigger picture versus just what do I want to eat today? Like, w what does that affect? How does that affect me longevity-wise? Just like these concepts do. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I could. you could see how you married the concepts of this with your living and just that, what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking about the long-term 15 years from now, your gaze down the trail. Right, exactly. Same. Exactly. What, it's very you know, interesting. What is that? And, you know, you're moving from that, that center or that purpose towards a point and when you do that, it's 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 a little bit harder to get off track right. when you're that when you're that focused. If you're just well, you know, I like my career to go over there somewhere. Right. Right? That's very different than I would like this position or I'd like this business opportunity, um, and I'm going to do this, this, and this to get there. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, universal concepts that just happen to uh, also apply well to uh, a movement approach. Now, as far as mobility is concerned, um, since you spent so much time running, do you uh, find challenges with certain mo mobility things, uh, like maybe you know, getting your arms behind your back or something mm -hmm, like that, mm -hmm. um, or does it seem that what you do, your practice, actually helps with those things? There's actually body looseners in the book that are a series of joint looseners, so ankles, knees, hips sacrum middle of the back and then there's three for the arms and shoulders and they're all designed to loosen up the joints so that not only can you be strong through your center but you can also be uh, relaxed in your extremities right. so for example if my uh, if my ankles are tight for whatever reason there's a loosener for that if my you know shoulders are tight uh, because i sit here there's a number of looseners that i can do to loosen that up so that I don't I don't run into that situation where I'm in this same position going linearly down the road, and then I lose that mobility that you know you work with people on in your practices as well. Right. You know, the things where they get the hands up in the air, arms behind the back, and, and strengthen those positions, which typically you're not going to get through running. You're essentially moving your arm in a very compact arm swing. You're strong through your center, and you're picking your heels up behind you to keep up with your momentum, yeah. which is a little bit of hamstring, a little bit of shoulder, and a whole lot of core. Right, and then the fourth big muscle is the one that's up here. Because this is directing everything um, in terms of you know what you're doing and and also what's appropriate for that particular day. Uh, there's lots of training programs out there too. The author put together uh, what's called a, a different training programs for 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the the concept is on a weekly basis. Here is your goal. It's not run this amount of miles on this day because you could wake up on that day and you could realize that it's not appropriate for you that day. You right. didn't sleep well, you ate something you shouldn't have, uh, you just got back from a trip, wh stress, whatever, whatever or, it is, yeah. stress, whatever it is. So you wanna be able to adjust on a given day because a lot of those training programs that say you must run, let's say it's a marathon training program, you must run 18 miles on this day, what if that's not your day? Yeah. So you could potentially hurt yourself, 
you could potentially only run 14 and then feel completely dejected because you didn't meet the program and now your, your marathon's in trouble, yeah. right? There's all those kind of games we can play with ourselves. So the idea in the training program here, or the ones I suggest for people is, is to consider the training program, but give yourself options. Meaning, you know, if, it's your, if you're supposed to run uh, 10 miles on a given day for a half marathon training program, well then go out with the intention of running eight and then giving yourself the option to go nine or 10 if it's appropriate. Yeah. But if it's not, let's do a timeout and call it for the day and then add it up, you know, make it up later. Yeah. Why stress yourself? Just like in the gym, if you've got someone who's just not, just not doing well that day or they do a certain movement and they, they notice something's not quite right. Well, what do you do? Okay, time out. Let's yeah. let's maintain mobility for another day. Right. Let's not put ourselves at risk because there's some number in some book. Yeah, I think that's a big problem for a lot of people, no matter what kind of program they go into. And then there's kind of like a deadline they have to meet. Mm -hmm. They are so hard on the, on themselves to 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 hit all the these checkpoints. And then, like you said, when life happens, um, they can't hit that checkpoint. checkpoint. And that's where they get stuck because they don't, they're like, well, what do I do? Like how, like what would be a way to regress this? What would be a way for me to um, still train, still uh, help my goal out, right. but obviously deal with the, you know, maybe um, the, the bad day I'm having. And I think that's where a lot of people start to have problems because like they'll either go way too easy on themselves right. and not get a good workout at all right. or not do it that day right. when they could have done something else. So that's where I think a lot of people need help, um, mm -hmm. you know, with with applying the program day to day. Mm -hmm. And I, I've never felt that more since being a fireman because a lot of coaches that I've hired, they just don't understand the schedule and the lack of sleep and all the kooky stuff that goes mm -hmm. on two o'clock in the morning when, mm -hmm. when there's like a piece of cake and you know, and then it's like, well, just don't eat it. It's like, uh, what do you want me to do? I was two right. o'clock in the morning. I was right. stressed out of my mind being on the highway with a car accident. Right. And now I'm back and sure. I, and my brain said, eat the cake, man. So um, that's, that's like a tough thing for people. So uh, being able to understand how to apply a program to real life, because mm -hmm. it's, it's not just this like boom, right. rigid. Well, a lot of times we get caught up in the numbers yes, and, we, right. and we don't recognize that, uh, you know, in the end, life is not really about a particular numbered program on a particular day. Right. Uh, a person gets caught up in that. What I try to, to convey a lot and when people come to me with programs is, and oftentimes when I work with them for the first time, I'll say, okay, so when do you have any events coming up and when is that? Because if they have a big event coming up in uh, three or four weeks, that's way different than if it's in 10 weeks. Right. Because if they have a big event coming up in three or four weeks, then I know they're they're at almost at the peak of their training. And if they try to implement these principles over a very long run, that's gonna take a lot of focus. Typically they'll implement these over the first three miles and then they'll go back to their old habits. Uh, yes. So the idea when you first put these into practice is let's back up on the pace mm. expectations, let's back up on the distance and let's go out for quality time on your feet practicing these ideas, whatever they are, whatever the one or two are, and, um, and use that time as a quality, a quality practice to get something from the run, right? Not just get the number in the book, Yeah. right? You try to get a number in the book, you'll do whatever you can to get the number in the book because you have some expectation that if you don't run a certain amount this week, you're a slacker. Right. But when you do that, you lose focus on the practice and it's the practice that's gonna lead to the principles implemented that's gonna lead to the lifelong. And so my goal when I first started to learn this is that I was running, at the time I was running 5Ks, five, five milers, and I was getting injured a lot. 
So when I learned this, I said, okay, I'm going to take the watch off. I'm not going to run with the watch, and I'm not going to do an event. I'm just going to practice these principles. Now, I didn't practice. I didn't, take, I didn't run an event for 18 months after I learned this. But my first event was a 50K, and uh, that's 31 miles. And uh, I ran it in a little over, I think it was about four hours and 10 minutes, which is good for a marathon, yeah. let alone a 50K. And I walked away from that going, I'm so glad that I learned these principles first. And I took the watch and the expectations and what my friends were doing and all that out of it. Yeah. So now I have this, this lifelong habit in me that not only can I utilize going to the refrigerator, but also going around the block or showing up on a beautiful day when the trail's smiling at me and I get to go enjoy that. But I also get to pass it along um, because you know the principles are time tested and thousands of years old. And uh, it's that perspective that, you know, I went through a lot of challenges trying to get my mobility back just to begin with. Then I started running. Then I realized I forgot to run like a kid. And then this book showed up. And that's how it all started to unravel for me. Yeah, that's amazing. And would you consider what you teach a form of martial art? Since mm, it's based on the principles of that. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, and and I do find that people who have a little bit of that background uh, will get a sense for the power of that because the key piece of this is you know aside from the principles is the practice. So a person that comes from that background will you know, will will resonate with the practice piece. It's the very simple principles, alignment, relaxation, balance. To that, I would add stability in the balance stance that you're on. And then um, cooperating with the forces of nature that are around you. And then making it a very mindful practice where you are constantly body sensing how you're feeling on any given step or any given run to make an appropriate decision as to how to stay in the practice and moving towards lifelong mobility. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and so can you tell everybody how to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, and, and if you have any special events coming up or anything like that? Yeah, sure. The best way to, to reach out to me is just go to the website E, the letter E, chi, C-H-I, fitness.com. On there, there's a way to send uh, send me a note. There's lots of resources on there. Uh, for many years, I did a blog post every week, which put a lot of these concepts into visual pictures and experiences from the trail, you know, what I learned on a given day. So there's a lot of experiences there. And, um, but there's an email access there. Uh, you can certainly reach out to me. I, I love chatting and just, uh, you know, connecting with people and seeing how they can benefit, uh, uh, whether it be on these principles or any other aspect of natural health. Do you offer anything online for people? Is that I, I haven't uh, I haven't moved to that. Um, I find that, and there are some instructors in this that will do that. So if you wanted to get that kind of online instruction, I could recommend some instructors on our team. There's, oh, okay. I think there's something like uh, 150 to 200 instructors that do this. Uh, some of them are doing online courses through the you know the challenges that we have with social distancing and so forth. Uh, I haven't done that just because. Uh, I find that working with people in person is uh, is the way for them to get the most out of that. I've considered it. Uh, I have reviewed some videos remotely. So someone will take a video themselves. I'll explain, okay, this is what I need to see on the video. And then I can take a look at that remotely. Uh, but um, working with people directly in person, I think is the most, um, the most effective way. Yeah. And again, I'm looking for a good exchange of not only their time, but also my time, because it's an investment in my time and I'm looking for 
you know, the most positive experience and the most, the greatest outcome yeah. you know, for my time. And if, if somebody uh, wanted to contact you and work with you, would you recommend they read uh, the Chi running book first? They could, they could. This matter. is this is the handbook. Yeah. There's some resources online that I could point to. I, I sent a little snippet of that resource to you, uh, and you said, "Oh, this looks exactly like you know something I know." Uh, so there's resources that they can look at. Uh, there's a video I did many years ago that it puts this book into about a 10 minute video, uh, and and shows the concepts. So those are the kinds of things that I typically have someone watch before I work with them. If they watch that before they come to me, then we can save time explaining the concepts and we can get right into, okay, what are your concerns? What are you doing currently? I'll watch and see what they're doing. And then, you know, what are the drills and exercises and the, the focuses that we can use to help adjust that? Excellent, all right, good stuff. Uh, everybody, this was David Stratansky of ichifitness.com. Check him out. Uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you'll see he's, well-versed in how to run and, uh, you know, create better mobility in your body. But if you really listen and you pay attention, uh, what David is talking about is mindful movement and, and focusing and um, all the benefits that go with that are amazing. You guys, if you're using a steel mace, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about right now. So, um, you know, check out David. And uh, before we go, guys, I just want to say thank you for, you know, tuning in. We're getting closer to 100 episodes here. Mm, awesome. Congratulations. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I do have sponsors, but the sponsors are some of the best people out there that I've made friends with. Uh, Addicts Mason Clubs. You could go to addicts.com and you could uh, purchase a mace, uh, adjustable mace. You could also go to VintageStrengthTraining.com and you could get a workout program and you could go to MaceFit.com, another great outfit. I am now a MaceFit coach. Uh, we're going to be doing workshops and certifications here in New Jersey. And um, if you guys want those discount codes, this is how you get them. Go to SteelMaceNation.com, sign up for the newsletter, all right, and I will post all the discount codes into the newsletter that's because they always change depending on what kind of sale they're doing what kind of offers they're making so uh that's how you get the discount codes also don't forget about graziella coffee company tony ponti out of uh new york he's a buddy of mine he makes really good coffee and don't forget on go energy spray three sprays in your mouth uh gives you 75 milligrams of caffeine throw away the pre-workouts and all that stuff and all the bloat and uh, get your pump on. All right, guys, thanks a lot for tuning in. See you at the next one.